Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. No, I did not misspeak. Uh, I know some of you are expecting me to say turn to the book of? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're, we're going to start a little mini series today from, well, we're going to start in Luke and then next week we're going to go to Isaiah, but we're going to do a little Christmas little mini series and then we will pick back up in the book of Acts in the new year. Okay. And so the aim is to get through the entire book of Acts. Uh, we'll pick it back up in chapter 16 in the new year. And then the aim is to be done, well, sometime in 2022. Praise God. Um, I'm not going to say exactly when, because honestly, I don't know. I don't know. But today, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 2. And we're going to look at uh, chapter 2, verses 22 through 32. We're going to start there. Um, but of course, this time of year is, well, it's Advent season. Did y'all know that? Raise your hand if you know it's Advent season. Okay, now put your hands down. Raise your hand if you know what Advent means. Okay. Wait, let me see. Keep them up. You know what Advent means. All right, I'm going to pass the mic down. I know, I know that you know, Brian, but uh, if you know what it means, shout it out. What's the one word that comes to mind when you hear Advent? Oh, I'm, it got quiet. What is that? Coming. coming. Who said it? Yeah, it's all about Jesus coming. Isn't that what we celebrate? If you didn't know that, that's what Advent is all about. It's a time of year when we look back, everybody say back, to Jesus' first coming, and we celebrate all that he did. But it's also the time of year when we look forward to his what? His what? His second coming. How many of y'all are ready for him to come again? Like, wouldn't it be awesome if he came like this afternoon? <laughs> That'd be really awesome. And so uh, that's the time of year that we are in. Now, as we get into the message today, there's one word that comes to mind when I think of this season. Of course, yes, Jesus. Of course, there are other Bible terms that would come to mind. But here's one that, uh, well, it directly applies to us. And it's a word that, um, well, most of us hate, if I were to be honest. And, and for many of you, when I say this word, it's like a, a dirty word. It's like a curse word. So can I say it? Can I say it in church? You're like, it depends. <laughs> what are you about to say, Pastor Scott? Here's the word that I think pretty much everybody here hates. The word is, you ready? You're like, you're killing me, Scott. Just say, the word is wait. Uh, see, there you go. Now, let me, let me just do a quick survey. Raise your hand if you hate to wait. Let me see your hands. Now put your hands down. Let, let me ask you guys. I asked the first service, same question. Let me ask y'all. Is there anyone here, say, if you were to go into a store or anywhere in the community and, and you see lines, is there anyone here when you see the longer line and then you see the shorter line, you're like, okay, because I love to wait, I'm going to get in the longer line because I am so excited about God teaching me patience. Anybody? Is anybody going to raise their hand and lie? Come on, let me see it. If you raise your hand and you lie in church, you, know, you go straight to hell. Y'all know that, right? So um, does anybody love to wait? Raise your hand right now. Let me see your hand. Anybody? Yeah, right. I mean, none of us like to wait. But when I think of Advent, uh, of course, I think Jesus. I think all that he did, first, second coming. But the word that comes to mind for me is this dirty word, in a sense, this bad word, this word that we don't like to even say. It's the word, say it with me. It's the word wait. We hate, we hate to wait. 
And, and I, don't, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like I spend most of my life waiting on something. Like, well, how about this one? I feel like I spent a good part of my life waiting in traffic. Anybody else? Come on, Ambassador. Come on, Kali Kaboom. Come on, Ambassador. Now, they've halted the construction for a while. God bless whoever decided to make that decision, right? Stretch your hands and I don't even know where they are. But thank you, Jesus. You worked in them to do that. To, to, to do that. So we think about, you know, waiting in traffic. Um, we think about, how about this one? Yesterday I went to the coffee shop to get a, a drink and I waited in line there for just a little while. But I made my, placed my order. Then it took them 20 minutes to get out my drink. Now, right there in Starbucks, I'm thinking, okay, People know you, Pastor Scott, not because I'm important, but just because I'm visible and I'm, I'm like this. Okay, I'm like, okay, I'm waiting. It's frustrating. I'm wanting my drink, but keep your composure because you're going to preach on waiting tomorrow. <laughs> and if you lose your mind in Starbucks, well, it's not going to be a good witness. And so I waited very patiently and I waited for my drink. It came out and I went on with my business, very sanctified. Y'all believe that? And most of that's true. <laughs> but, but I feel like I, I spend my life waiting. Like, for example, I'm going to preach today, go home, eat. And when I get home, my wife is going to hand me a list of honeydews. So y'all think that I just show up and preach and I go home later, you know, maybe watch, a, you know, a game or on days, you know, go, go hang out with my friends or just kind of take it easy in the afternoons. Listen, I preach here. I go home. My wife gives me a list of honeydews. So I walk in and I say, Listen, woman, y'all know I don't say that. Y'all know, I do, y'all know my wife. I do not say that. It's like, yes, baby, give me the list. So I'm, I'm going to go home later, do some honeydews. And, uh, and, and so as the day goes on, I start thinking almost every Sunday about what I'm going to preach the next Sunday. Like I, like, I cannot wait to get up here and just be here with y'all every Sunday. Like, I wish it were Sunday, and then like we could just skip forward and like Monday be Sunday, because I love being here with y'all. I hope, you, I hope you feel that. I love being here with y'all. And so when I'm done, I'm like, I cannot wait till next Sunday. Like, I'm, I'm at home and the kids are looking at me. I'm writing my message. I'm like, I can't wait to preach this. They think I'm crazy. And maybe that's true. <laughs> you know? But, but I, I have to wait for the next Sunday to come. And so I, I, I feel like I, I just wait all the time for something. And, and in particular, how about in the holiday season? How many of y'all like to shop online? How many, how many of y'all love to avoid uh, the spiritual warfare that takes place uh, at Target or wherever you shop on the ground? You go online and you're more sanctified when you do that, right? Yeah, well, whatever. Yeah. Well, uh, come on, online, Amazon, you know, Amazon, yeah, online, wherever, wherever you order online. Well, uh, I, I love to get stuff in the mail. Okay. It doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. <laughs> I like to get packages in the mail. You could probably, you could write me a note and just say, Pastor Scott, thank you for that message. Or you could say, you know, whatever, just thank you for anything. Put it, put that note in a box, ship it to my house. And if I walk out, I would see the box. Forget the note. I just like getting packages. That's one of my love languages. And so y'all, y'all know I'm on, uh, you know, christianbooks.com, Amazon, and I order books all the time. And you know, that, that's what I spend a lot of money on. Well, uh, just recently somebody blessed me and I, I had a gift card. So I, I decided I need some new shoes. I haven't bought a new pair of boots in like, I don't know, three and a half years. So I went on to Amazon and I found, I found y'all like my boots? Yeah. Yes. Whether you do or you don't, I love my new boots. I needed some new boots. So I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless myself. So I ordered the boots. Now, listen, y'all, you're like, what does this have to do with Luke 2? I'm going to show you. It has everything to do with it. But stick with me. 
On Amazon, when, when you place your order, you go to click track package. When you do that, it pulls up a little, this linear line, and it starts with what? Ordered, then it says shipped, then it says out for delivery, and then finally, once it arrives, it says what? Delivered, right? I love that little schematic. And so I'll place an order and then I'll track it in, in cases every day until the package arrives at my house. Now, you'd think that I have better things to do, but this is just the way I roll. I like to keep up with what I've ordered. So, so the other day, okay, when I placed the order, it said arriving Thursday. I think it said by 6 p.m. And so I'm like, okay, I can wait. I'll wait a few days. All right. So I waited, got home that afternoon, and then like I, I logged into uh, Amazon just to confirm. And then it, it, there's this gap between out for delivery and delivered. Like the line was more on this side when it should be on that side. Y'all know what I'm talking about on Amazon? Do y'all do that? Any other crazy people? You track your stuff? Well, it wasn't trending in the right direction. I'm like, oh no. It's delayed. It's floating in the Pacific or the Atlantic. You know, my, my gift is somewhere in the world, but it's not going to be at my address. So I'm like, okay, okay, Pastor Scott, you know, you're looking at me, you're thinking, there are bigger problems in the world. Listen, I know there are bigger problems in the world. But in the moment, it's like all I can think about. So uh, six o'clock came, no package on my doorstep. Logged back on, and then it said, uh, arriving by 9 p.m. I'm like, all right, I can wait a few more hours. Well, put Aniston down, 9 p.m. came, no package on my doorstep. So went back into the system, went through it all, clicked it again. Your package is delayed and will not arrive till, and then it gave the dates. Now I'm thinking, okay, like we, we send people into outer space. We put men on the moon, but we can't get packages to people's homes on time. Are y'all, do y'all feel my pain? Any weird people feel my pain? And so I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm thinking about this. And it's like, I would rather you just not tell me when it's going to arrive than to tell me and it not be true. All right, let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you. <laughs> Does anybody feel me on this? I mean, I'm being silly and this is very pedantic in the grand scheme of things. <coughs> but, but this is the way I was feeling. And so when I, when I thought about this example in my own life, just, just how impatient I got, it reminded me of just how much I hate this word, wait. I hate, in the flesh, I hate to wait. And if you, if you were to take the Amazon example, you can apply it in your own life as a Christian. Because it's like this, isn't it? We, we go to God and we, we, we pray. And how many of y'all know God answers prayer? Three people? Come on, how many of y'all know he answers prayer? Yeah, yeah, more than, okay, yeah. So we pray, we place our order, don't we? And then when do we want him to come through? Like yesterday, right? <laughs> and, and, and the timing is what? Always, it's our timing. We want it to happen like very, very soon. But how many of y'all know God's timing is not our timing? That God's ways are higher than our ways. But nonetheless, we have this sense of expectation, this sense of urgency, when we want to see the answer come very quickly. Do I have any friends who believe that and, and believe that's true? Yeah. And so we, we place our order and then we know God hears. So it's ordered. It's out for delivery. But how many of y'all know sometimes when we pray, days go by, weeks go by, months go by, sometimes years go by and you're waiting on God to answer. But you go out to the mailbox and it's still empty. 
Does anybody ever feel that way? Like you've prayed to God, you know he's heard, but the the shipment, the package has not yet arrived. Has anybody felt that way and frustrated at that? Well, listen, I've said it before. Let me say it again. I have the gift of repetition. Are you ready? Listen to me carefully. We prefer the microwave, but God oftentimes prefers the crock pot. Preach that. Does that make sense? We want to, we pray, put the order in and then get it out like now, right? But God, God operates completely in a completely different manner than us. Because oftentimes we, we place the order and, and many times it's not just days, it's not just months, it's not just years. I mean, sometimes it isn't it decades before he comes through. But how many of y'all know when he comes through, whatever he's been cooking up is always good. Let me say it again. It is always good. How many of y'all can bear witness to that? It's always good. And you look back and say, God, it was worth the wait. I hated the wait, but it was worth the wait. Well, as I think about this theme of waiting, and I try to connect Amazon.com with Luke chapter 2, Here, here's, what, here's what comes to mind. Today we're going to read about a man named Simeon. Everybody say Simeon. Simeon. Who had been waiting For the arrival of the greatest gift this world has ever known, the greatest gift this world will ever know, the arrival of the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. God promised that His Son would come, that the Messiah would be born. But of course, the world had to wait. Israel had to wait. Simeon had to wait. Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year went by. And for many, many years, it looked like God was not going to come through in his promise. But then almost suddenly it seemed it happened. Jesus was conceived. Come on, say it with me. By the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, the word became flesh. Bam, dwelt among us. Come on, y'all, it's been said that, that the greatest moment in human history is when man stepped foot on the moon. I totally disagree. The greatest moment in human history is when the word became flesh and dwelt among us, when God came down. All right, that's the greatest event thus far. And all that that involved in his life and his death, his resurrection from the dead. Come on, let's celebrate Jesus. Put your hands together for him today. That's the most amazing thing in Christ in his life, death, that's happened. And I think the next greatest thing is his second coming. He's coming again. He came the first time. He's going to come the second time. But here's the context in Luke 2. Jesus was born to this world. And then let's pick it up in Luke 2, 22. Listen to what the Bible says. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him, that's Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Parenthetically, it says, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name, you say it with me, was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple 
And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him, according to the custom of the law, he, that is Simeon, took Jesus up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, you are now letting your servant depart in peace according to your According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Wow, what a moment, huh? We don't know a whole lot about Simeon, but what we do know is that, well, of course, he was righteous and he was devout. He was a good godly man who had been waiting for the consolation of Israel. And I love this. The the Bible says that it had been revealed to him by the spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. In other words, Simeon, you're going to die. I mean, that's true of all people. You're going to die, but you are going to one day hold the Messiah in your arms. You are going to see him, not just in scripture, but with your own eyes. Now think about this if you're Simeon. You had been waiting for all those years. The word became flesh. God dwelt among us. Jesus was born. And then here's Simeon at the temple meeting the parents. Jesus is placed in his arms. Simeon got to hold the one who, well, held him. You say, what do you mean by that? Hebrews 1 says that the sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact imprint of his nature, sustaining all things by the word of his power. Now think about that for a while, like smoke will start coming out of your ears. Like think about that. Simeon held the one, Jesus, the son of God, who created the universe, the one who sustains everything. He held the one who would hold him. Now that's a present, isn't it? Like Christmas morning, you're like, okay, thank you for the socks. Thank you for the, you got to hold Jesus, the greatest gift this world has ever known. And once again, he, he breaks out in this praise. He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word for my eyes have seen your salvation. Y'all, when we look back, we say that the infinite God became an infant. One person, two natures, fully God, fully man. He came to set the captives free. And Simeon got to hold him. He waited on him and he reaped the reward. He got to hold him because he waited on him according to God's word. Isn't that powerful? But I can feel his pain in the wait. Simeon had to wait. Abraham had to wait. Jacob had to wait. Joseph had to wait. The people of Israel had to wait. Mary and Joseph had to wait. Simeon had to wait. As we're going to read later, Anna had to wait. Even Jesus had to wait decades before he started his earthly ministry. Did you know that? That for, for, for decades, Jesus is, not that he wasn't doing anything, but he hadn't launched his ministry yet. He's on the sidelines, so to speak. While everybody else, they're, they're in the game. Second string, third string, all the way down the line. And the superstar of all of history 
was on the sidelines, but how many of y'all know Jesus, he, he just couldn't wait to get baptized, to be anointed by the Spirit, to get into the game, to do what only he could do. But even in that season of waiting, God was working. Listen to me carefully. In your season of waiting, I promise you, God is working. Let me say it one more time to encourage you. In your season of waiting, God is working. John Piper, pastor, said it this way. He said that God is doing 10,000 things in your life right now. You can't see it all. He said you, you, you may be aware of about three of them. But God is working in your life, doing things that you can't see, but things that you, you know will come to pass. Because when God starts a project, when God starts something, how many of y'all know he always finishes his work? He doesn't get bored. He doesn't say, well, you know, that was just too difficult. How many of y'all know nothing's too hard for the Lord? It looks hard to you. It looks impossible to you. But nothing is too hard for your God. Nothing. So let me get out of the introduction here. God's working while you're waiting. These men, these women have mentioned had to wait. We, we have to wait. As a matter of fact, all of you here are in the same predicament right now. Well, it's going to vary in the way this looks, but let, let me explain. Some of you here, you're waiting. You're waiting on a physical breakthrough. You've got cancer in your body. You've got chronic backaches that are happening. Raise your hand if you've ever had like, or have like major back issues. Like, you know, if you never had them, you hear someone that, that, that does and you're like, oh, well, bless your heart, I'll pray. How many of y'all know it's hell when you have back issues? Some of you can barely get out of bed because it hurts so badly. But it could be that you're waiting on a physical healing. It could be that you're waiting on, how about an emotional healing? Maybe you went through a divorce and the, 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 the divorce was years ago. You're still struggling. You're still hurt. You're still in pain and you're wondering when will I ever be healed again? Maybe the, you're waiting on maybe a, a new job or a new opportunity. I mean, isn't it true for all of us? We're all waiting on something. Not just the silly latte at Starbucks, but big, significant things in our lives. Raise your hand if you're waiting on God right now for something. You've prayed and, and you know it's out for delivery, but it has not yet been delivered. Raise your hand right now if the mailbox is still empty. Come on, let me see your hands. I know because I'm in the same predicament with you. And as I think about this theme of waiting, and I think about how much we hate the wait, you might ask, well, Pastor Scott, let's unpack that. Why is that the case? Well, at least for me, I hate the wait because the wait is weighty. The wait is weighty. It hurts when we have to wait. Did you know that while you wait, you are actually suffering? Suffering in itself is a, is, excuse me, waiting in itself is a form of suffering. But as you wait, you experience physical pain. You're experiencing emotional pain. You need God to act now and you know that he can. You know that he can do anything he wants. But for many of us, it's very frustrating that he's taking so long to deliver the answer to the prayer. Do I have any friends you say, I've been frustrated before with God? You're like, do I, can I raise my hand about that in church? Yes. I've been frustrated with God before. And it's not right, but in this fallen world, well, it's normal in the flesh to do that. I'm not saying it's right, but it happens, doesn't it? If you are disappointed today because the gift has not arrived, because the season has not yet come, because the breakthrough has not occurred, well, you have a friend in David. Let me show you what I mean. Psalm 13, verses 1 through 4. Listen to the language here. 
How long, O Lord? How long will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. This is the psalmist. This is David being honest with his God. And how many of y'all know, God already knew that David was feeling this. It wasn't like, you know, the psalm was written and then God was like, David, thank you for sharing your heart. I didn't know that. God knew that David felt this way. But this is David getting honest with God. And I believe this was written for our benefit so we could connect with him We don't, listen, we'll never be perfect. We'll never walk in perfect faith in this life. We are going to have moments of frustration with God. And we are going to ask, like David, how long, oh Lord? How long? David was feeling like God had removed his covenant love from him. That's how he's feeling. He's feeling like, well, God, you've overlooked me. You've forgotten that well, you made this covenant and that I had these promises. You've, Lord, you have forgotten me. Isn't it true that oftentimes we feel like God has just passed us by? And you feel that way, don't you? When your friend or your brother or sister or mom, dad, someone around you, they've been praying and God answers their prayer. But you're like this. Waiting at the mailbox to no avail. You ever felt that way? Yeah. Waiting is a form of suffering. As we've been working through Acts, you think about suffering, and it's in the context of persecution. Well, obviously, that is very true. That was true in Acts. That will be true in our our day and days to come, especially. But the very act of waiting means suffering for us. But here we have the psalm of lament. And David asked four times, how long, O Lord? Some of you are asking the same question. How long do I have to put up with this issue? How long, O God, do I have to wait until you come through? How long do I have to put up with this job and the people who work around me? Anybody feeling it? If your boss is here, don't listen. You know to respond to that. They're your coworkers. How long, oh Lord, till my husband gets it right? Don't say a thing. How long, oh Lord, how long must I deal with this bodily ailment? How long? Well, there's no holistic answer I can give to that question. It's up to God to decide um, the way this works out and how he answers. But let me give you a principle. Everybody say principle. It's a principle from Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5 that I really hope helps you because this helps me. Can I do that? Say yeah, because I'm going to do it anyway. Okay. (laughs) Let me read this. Uh, The Apostle Paul says the following. Galatians 4, beginning in verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, 
God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Now, the key words that I want to highlight here are fullness. Everybody say fullness. Fullness of time. Pleroma tu cranu in the Greek. The fullness of time, the completeness of time. It was in that that God sent forth Jesus. And they're like, all right, good. What does that mean exactly? Well, it means this, that there were events There were circumstances. There were things that had to take place over the course of time. And every single one of those things had to occur in order to make the world just right from God's perspective so that he would then send his son. So when you think of fullness, I want you to think of a cup. And I want you to think of that cup, so to speak, being filled up event after event. Circumstance after circumstance. And all of that had to take place all the way up to the top. That, that it had to be the fullness, not the shortness of time. We like that, don't we? It was in the fullness of time that all of these events happened over the course of history. And when they all transpired, when it all came together, God said, son, it's time for you to go. For the word to become flesh, for you to go to the earth to do all that you're going to do. And so when we think about this, listen to me carefully. When Jesus was born, he was not born a minute too soon. He did not arrive a minute too late. He arrived right on time in the fullness, the pleroma, the fullness or completeness of time. Does that make sense? All these things had to happen in order for God to send Jesus into this world. All of these things had to happen. What things? Well, let me explain. The question is, what was God doing while people waited on the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, over centuries? Well, the same thing that you moms did when you received word that you were pregnant with your first child. What did you do? Well, you received word that you were pregnant My wife, when she received word that she was pregnant with Karsten, I can say this because I don't want to embarrass him if he were here. I wouldn't even tell the story. But uh, so Jesse, don't say a word. Uh, But uh, when, when my wife received word that she was pregnant, she got on the phone with her mama and they immediately went online and started looking at cribs and clothes. And then she gave me a honeydew list. And that involved me going to Lowe's, to Home Depot, to get the paint. She wanted to paint the room, put the stripes and the scripture up on the wall. And she bought all these different things for Karsten. She bought him enough diapers to last through his high school, through his senior year in high school. All right. And so, right. And the aim was that that she wanted to make sure that everything was just right in our home, in his room, so that when Karsten was born, she could bring him home and everything would would be perfect for him. Not that he would know any different. (laughs) But from her perspective, everything had to be just right. Are y'all with me? Come on, mamas. That's true of, 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 of ladies. But listen, that's also true of God working in the world, not in a room, just a room. God was working in the world for thousands of years over the course of time, making sure that the world would be just right from his perspective for the arrival of his son. How did he do it? 
I'm glad you asked. You know, I can't help myself. Let me give you a couple of things. First of all, God worked through Alexander the Great. Through the Greeks, everywhere Alexander conquered as he went forth, he took with him. He spread because of him and his army. Greek culture, Greek language. And by the time of Christ, and of course after the time of Christ, because of Alexander's influence in the world, which was later incorporated by Rome, much of the world spoke the same language, Greek, the Greek language. So what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is that when Jesus was born, much of the world spoke the same language and therefore they could go out with the same language and preach the gospel and transcend, overcome cultural and linguistic barriers. Because people spoke this language, they can move about freely and preach the word in this common tongue. How many of y'all know that wasn't on accident? That may have been, you know, Alexander's idea to spread Hellenistic culture, but ultimately this was in the sovereign will of God that he would move and orchestrate in the Greeks through Alexander into the Roman Empire, which by the way, because of their influence in the world, the Romans cleared out, you know, the, the, the roads and uh, removed the bandits and made these Roman roads that made travel very accessible for the Roman army. Well, the Romans had their purposes in doing that, but how many of y'all know God had his purpose? There were Roman roads which made travel easier, not just for the Romans, but how about this? For the early Christian missionaries who would go forth into all the world proclaiming the message of Jesus, who had come to set the captives free. Oh, Lord, are y'all getting this? Like I'm talking about on a massive scale, God was working. On a massive scale. God worked in the Greeks, he worked in the Romans, he worked in all of Israel, he worked in, in, in Simeon, he worked in Anna, he was working in them. And how many of y'all know, he's also working in us. He's working right now. Listen to me carefully. God was working in the world while the people of God waited for the Messiah. And God is working in you right this very moment as you wait on him. Although the problem is you can't always perceive it, can you? They're like, he is? He is. He's working in your life in ways you, you just, our minds can't even conceive of it all. And y'all know, like we, we like to make sense of things, don't we? If you can make sense of God and what he's doing, you would be God. <laughs> you will never have that full mind of understanding God's ways. God alone has the ability to look out at the cosmos, to look out at your lives, to orchestrate and do billions of things in the world all at the same time, aligning them according to his good purpose and plan. How many of y'all know we have a hard time figuring out what we're going to eat after church? Are y'all with me? God is always working in our lives. And my old pastor taught me this. If you're taking notes, you can write it down. I'm going to give you three things and you can go figure out what you're going to eat. <laughs> Listen to me carefully. While you're waiting, remember this. What God does in us while we wait is oftentimes just as important, if not more so, as what he does for us when he answers. Does that make sense? So we're praying, God, I need a man. Ladies, I need a man. 
I want a Christian husband. It's a good thing to pray for. I need a new vehicle. I need a fill in the blank. Good things to pray for. And how many of y'all know, God oftentimes comes through quickly. You're like, not for my last request. I'm still waiting on him. I'm still waiting on her. Okay, yeah, I get it. Sometimes you gotta wait. But how many of y'all know, raise your hand if God's come through for you quickly before. And he's done something for you. And people say, it was luck, it was chance. You got, you got lucky. No, <laughs> you got blessed. Christians aren't lucky. That's like secular stuff. <laughs> it's atheistic stuff. We, we say, no, we are blessed because every good and perfect gift comes from God into our lives. Not because we're good, but because he is. Amen? So we pray, he answers. Oftentimes it's quickly. And we thank God for that. But don't miss what I'm about to say. Sometimes we are so caught up in what he does for us that we miss what he's doing in us. Does that make sense? So businessmen, business ladies, it's great to pray. It's good to pray. God, help me build my business so I can make more money. It's good to pray that. There's nothing wrong with that. But let me give you a better prayer. God, help me build my character so that when my business is built, as it's being built, by the time I get there to whatever there is, I have the character and the integrity to steward the blessing well. So Lord, I'm praying today that you would help me renew my contract. I need money. That's a good thing to pray. But a better thing to pray is, Lord God, I'm asking today that by the power of the Spirit and by the power of your word that you would renew my mind. Lord, get me out of this situation. Lord, I'm praying that you get me out. Okay, okay, I understand. You're walking through a hard time. I get it. I've prayed that before. A better prayer is, Lord, I'm praying that you would give me strength in this situation, that you would teach me exactly what I need to learn in this situation. So by the time I'm through it, I'll look back and say, God grew me through the whole thing. It wasn't wasted. Oftentimes we're wanting to accelerate and move on. And God's like, no, 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 no. We're going to slow this thing down. We're going to put you in the crock pot. I'm going to tenderize you. I'm going to mold you and fashion you. We are consumed with what he's going to do for us. Let's slow down and say, God, I want you to do something in me, in us, so that we don't miss what you're building in our lives. He wants to build you, not just your business. He wants to renew your mind, not just your contract. He wants to strengthen you right now where you are so people will look at you and say, how? And when they say how, you point to the who, the God of all creation, who makes all grace abound in every season, in every situation, the one who will walk you through the valley of the shadow of death. And you'll point to him and they'll say, my God, I want to serve him too. Does that make sense? I have wanted to preach this all week. I have waited and suffered. So where was I? I y'all lost me. Where I, okay, here's where we were. Let, let, me, let me speed up here. So the question is, who's doing the work? Who's doing the work? Well, we're the ones who have to remain steadfast. We pray. God doesn't do that. Well, the son intercedes. But I'm saying, you have to open your mouth. You've got to pray. 
But listen to what Paul says in Philippians 2.13. He says, it is God who works. Y'all gonna think I'm making it up, so y'all read it. He works where? Where? Not just for you, but what does it say? In you. Both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Lord, work in me. Work in me these things. And then your responsibility is to work out what God has worked in. God, give me good character. Okay, he will. He'll help you by his spirit, by his word, to transform your mind and to help. But you have got to be responsible to work out what he's worked in, to walk faithfully with your God in these seasons of waiting. Now, I'm about to drop a bomb on y'all. Can I do that? Three people said yes. Can I, it's it's going to be big. I don't know if you can handle it. Can you handle it? Come on, 11 a.m. Y'all are my favorites. Convince me. All right. All right, here it comes. Here it comes. You ready? How we wait oftentimes determines how long we wait. I told you. It's true, huh? Boy, I got that revelation sitting at the, the bar there in the kitchen at my house. And boy, the Holy Ghost brought so much conviction to my life. We preach best what we need the most. <laughs> Listen to me carefully. Here are the thoughts I had. See if you agree. If you don't, you have the right to be wrong. Listen carefully. <laughs> Grumbling is the most common response in times of waiting. Isn't it? If you don't believe me, just ask those who ride with you down the street while you sit in traffic. Y'all know what I'm struggling with, huh? I preach about it all the time. Traffic. Listen, all joking aside, grumbling is a form of unbelief. Boy, let this hit you hard and good. Grumbling is just another way of saying, God you missed it. You got this one wrong. Speaking of traffic, God's like, I didn't get it wrong. All you have to do is wake up 20 minutes earlier. You know there's going to be traffic every day at this time. This is not on me. This is on you. Something like that. <laughs> Lord, grumbling. I asked, ladies, you said, I asked for him. You gave me him. <laughs> and the Lord's like, I told you. <laughs> but you wouldn't listen. Flip it around. Men, say it about your wives, wives about your husbands, people you're in relationship with. I asked for this, and you gave me that. I asked for this job, and you gave me grumbling some of you men you sound like an old car starting up in the morning grumbling murmuring and ultimately in many cases we blame God when God has put up so much so many warning signs and has sent people into your life to warn you but you did it anyway now thank God even though you made the mistake there's grace now 
You say, well, it's never the will of the Lord for us to be married. Well, if you're married, it is now his will. Does that make sense? Meaning, unless there's been things that Jesus speaks of, Jesus does give you a way out for divorce. And if you've had a divorce, I'm not condemning you. The past is the past. But I'm saying, if you're married now, unless there have been things that Jesus says that, that actually give you the way out, then I know your marriage may be unhappy. It may not be what you thought it would be. But listen to me. God wants to work in you right now. It's not God changed my spouse. It's God changed me. Change me. And Lord, while you're at it, work on them too. <laughs> you know? But you're in it right now. And if we had spent more time thanking God than grumbling against God, we would have graduated from this season a long time ago. Listen to me carefully. If you're in a season of waiting, then you can rest assured that you are also in a season of testing. Did that make sense? Your faith is being tested, your character is being tested, and much more. And we hate the test, don't we? Does anybody love to take tests? We hate to take tests. Tests! How many of y'all hate to take the same test over and over again? Listen, it's been said that the test will pass when you pass the test. And until then, it may very well be that God's going to have you circle just like this. You know, the Israelites had an 11-day journey ahead of them. Do you know that it took them 40 years because of their murmuring and because of their grumbling and their unbelief? And here we are, stuck because of our own grumbling, because of our own Murmuring. Some of you are wondering. You are wondering why you're still wondering. It may be because you're grumbling against God instead of giving thanks to God. In all things, give thanks. I'm not satisfied with my marriage. I get it. Give thanks. I'm walking through a very difficult time. The money's not coming in. My expectations are not being fulfilled. Listen, saints, give thanks. Give thanks for what you have. Give thanks for the problems that you don't have. Give thanks in every season, in every situation. Give thanks. And I've written this, Thanksgiving is one of the key indicators that you are ready to graduate to that next place. God is working in you. So this season, let's, let's repent before God. Lord, we're sorry for murmuring and complaining. Yes, there's a, of course a time to address problems, but Lord, I thank you for these problems because, because Lord, I know you're using everything in my life to conform me to your image. You're using even these awful things in my life to sanctify me, to purify me, and to grow me so that when I get the breakthrough, I will be a good steward of what you've given in my life. Does that make sense? All right, let's land the plane. Number three. If you're taking notes, write this down. Please, saints, please, people of Midtown, please be faithful in the ordinary while you are waiting on the miraculous. Be faithful in the ordinary while you're waiting for the package to arrive. 
don't wait until the prayer is answered to then say, I'm going to serve the Lord. Oh, God, now you've proven yourself. Listen, God has nothing to prove. But he has proven over and over and over again that he's good. You say, well, give me one thing. He let you live after the first time you sinned. That he and the angels didn't sing, another one bites the dust. <laughs> that was not in my notes. But it was right here. Can't take y'all anywhere. The fact that he causes the rain to fall and the sun to shine on the righteous and the wicked alike. On you. I just called you wicked. Before you met Jesus, you were wicked. I was wicked. But he gave me good things. He blessed me. Did he bless you? I'll answer for you. He did. He's been good to us. So we are called to be, commanded to be faithful in the ordinary while we wait for the breakthrough. Thanking him along the way, just for starters. Simeon, we're told, waited. And notice the language. He was righteous and devout while he waited. How many of y'all know that usually doesn't go together for people who are waiting? (laughs) That's amazing. He was righteous and devout while he waited. And he didn't say, Lord, I'll serve you when you come through for me. When the package comes. He served God along the way. He was faithful along the way. Y'all, there is so much power in being faithful in the ordinary. Say, what does that look like? It means getting up every day, reading your Bible. Madison, you're amazing. What she does, all these musicians do. Like, I hate all y'all because I have one gift, it's to preach. I can't do anything else. But look at, look at her. She's amazing. The team up here, the way they sing and lead, aren't they incredible? Like, the, you know, I, I didn't mean I hate you. I mean, I do, but I don't. Like, I'm the one hit wonder. Like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to shake your hand. I'm going to go home. That's all I got. But musicians, they sing, they play, take care of media, all that. Listen to me. As great as she is and they are, you don't get all that in your prayer closet. I mean, you can turn on some music, but you don't get this when you're all alone at home. Do you? I wish I could just keep y'all in my back pocket like I'm having a bad day. Madison Taylor, I need y'all. Trey, Allie, can y'all come? I'm feeling down. And I wish I could just show up on my lawn, smoke machines and just Jesus-centered music. I mean, wouldn't that be amazing? That would be, let's try that. I'm gonna call it, no, I'm not. We can't do that. We get something even better. Thank y'all for what you do. When you get with God, whether it be in your prayer closet or your car or your office, you have, without all of this, you have direct access into the presence of Almighty God. And the best thing you can do every day is not meet with one another, though we do that as well. The greatest, most powerful thing you can do faithfully every day is just meet with your God. 
wherever you are, throw up your hands and say, Lord, I'm here to meet with you. To be faithful to meet with him. To show up and just, Lord, I'm here. And you know, we think, well, we have to have these eloquent prayers. Sometimes the best prayer is, Lord, shut the door. Help! And he'll hear you. Be faithful to read the word of God. Start a reading plan in the new year. Be faithful to read the Word of God every single day, every single week. Be faithful. Be faithful to serve. Don't wait to say, Lord, when you give me a husband, you give me a wife, then then I'll get on the dream team. No, no, no. Start serving now. While you wait, serve, and I promise the time will go by faster. You get busy serving the Lord, time will speed up. But if you're sitting down waiting for the delivery to to, to, go to the mailbox, there it is. Then I'll say, if you're waiting on that, Well, you might be waiting a long time. But y'all, I'm not just waiting on an answer to my prayer. I am actively waiting on the Lord in my time of prayer as we get together in worship. Come on, y'all. Let's be faithful to meet with Him. Faithful to serve. Faithful to do the little things, which really are huge things. Meeting with God. Praying. I've asked Josh McDowell, Dr. Michael Brown, and others the same question. I asked them right here in one interview. Hey guys, men of God, if you were like Luther, Martin Luther, and you had a hammer and you were to tack your 95 theses on the door of the church, what would be at the very top of your list? What would you say to the body of Christ? What do we need to do? You know what they said in different ways, but basically the same thing. You know what they said? The body of Christ today needs to get back to the Word of God and back to the power and the presence of God. The fancy stuff, all that's fine. But listen, you can't take all this with you to your home. But I'll tell you who will meet you in your home. It's the God of heaven and earth who will meet you in that place in the ordinary. God is available for you. That's what Anna did. I'm tempted to push this to next week and do the second part on Anna, but let me just read it, then we'll be done. Luke 2, 36 to 38. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. Listen to this carefully. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day, and coming up at that very hour, connecting this with Simeon and Jesus. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. This is the way I like to say it. In other words, she was faithful while she waited. But then we are told that she was thankful when God answered. Pastor Scott, what do you want me to do? I want you to leave today and I want you to be faithful to God while you wait. And I want you to make sure that when he answers, you turn back and you give him the praise that he deserved, that the order was placed, that the delivery was made, that he came through in your life once again. And it wasn't chance. It wasn't luck. It's because God has been good to you. Don't forget to turn back like Anna to thank him for the arrival of that gift into your life. Do y'all receive that? Be faithful. Be thankful.
God always keeps his promise.